0: The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Your Bible with me to John chapter 4, verse 4. John 4, 4. We've been talking about the launch of our capital campaign, Giving Hope and a Future, and it's here. The countdown has gone from wherever it began at, and it's at zero today, We are launching our capital campaign today, and I am so glad and so excited that you're a part of it, because we've been taking this from Jeremiah 29, 11, and here's what God's speaking to you and I, even though it's in the Old Testament, he's still speaking this over you and I today. Here's what God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I want to tell you something about the word of God. Sometimes when we read a passage multiple times, if we don't learn how to engage with the passage and learn how to grab hold of the passage, what can happen is we kind of just almost go on autopilot and start thinking about other things when we're reading a passage. But if we'll engage with the passage... If we'll dig in and take hold of the passage, if we'll start speaking the passage over our lives, when I start reading things like, I know the plans I have for you, suddenly, man, there's something inside of you, the Holy Spirit, that starts to stand up and go, wow, God's got good plans for me. He certainly does. Look what they are. They're plans to prosper you, plans to not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So listen, we're really excited about this capital campaign because we're really excited about the plans that God has for us. In fact, we've been talking about the fact that God loves it when we ask him for big things. Now, I know this goes contrary to what many of you have been taught, that it's you know, God's, if God wants you to have something, he'll make you have something. That's not what you read in the word of God. The word of God says you have not because what? Because you ask not. And what God loves it when we ask him for big things. Listen, when we're doing kingdom work, the enemy gets no glory for that. But the accusation is that, look, this is all about you, and this is about Pastor Richie trying to be a big shot. This is about the church trying to be a big shot. Listen, this is about Jesus. If you've been here coming here long enough, you recognize that all we ever talk about is Jesus. We don't talk about your problems very often. Every once in a while, we might kind of remind you to get out of your problem and stop saying those things, stop doing those things, but we're always lifting up the name of Jesus. Because if we lift up the name of Jesus, he says in his word that he'll draw all men unto him. So it's all about Jesus. God loves it when we ask him for big things. He loves it when we draw from him. He is an inexhaustible source that we get to draw from. That's why I'm excited about our capital campaign, and I'm excited that we're raising $750,000. I'm excited about it because God loves it when we ask him for big things. He loves it when we draw from him and see him as an inexhaustible source. And as God, when we learn to draw from him, we acknowledge who he is, that he's God. Some of you have this mindset that God is a detached God that kind of sits up in heaven and he's going to only step in and help us when things are falling apart. That's not what you would do with your kids, is it? Hopefully you're training your kids, you're feeding your kids. You don't wait till they're almost ready to starve to death and then you say, okay, let me get you some food now. Right? I can tell from all of us that none of us are in that position. All right? God loves it when his children come to him and draw from him. We make him and put him in the position that he really is God. We have made God so small in our eyes. We have made God just with just a little bit of love, oh if, if you really need me, okay I'll get off the throne room and come down and help you. That's not the God that we serve. And We saw it last week in the story in Luke chapter 10 with Mary and Martha, in fact I know last week the weather was really horrible and it was hard to get out, I want to encourage you if after today, not during the service, please, but after today, to go back and listen to last week's message, it, man, I tell you, just through this whole series, I believe that God is taking you and I to a whole nother level of understanding the goodness of God. Before I began this series, I understood that God was good, but as I've begun to study and prepare for this series, I'm understanding at a whole nother level that God is good, that he's amazing, that, that I learned to draw from him, he begins to pour into my life. So go back, let your faith be built up by learning and understanding how good God is. So we looked at this story of Mary and Martha, and Jesus had come into Martha's house, and he sat down, and he began talking, and he began teaching, and Mary sat at his feet and listened to him. She engaged with what Jesus was saying, but Martha was busy serving. She was busy running around like a chicken with her head cut off, and the reason is is because she saw Jesus as a man. A man who looked tired, a man who probably was hungry, a man who needed her to minister to him. She saw Jesus with her natural eyes. In other words, she didn't see with her spiritual eyes. And so the Bible says that she was distracted. Can I tell you, if the enemy can't stop you from coming to church, he'll get you into church and he'll get you so busy that you're so busy doing the things of God that you no longer are hearing from God. God. She was distracted, but Mary saw Jesus as God. She didn't see a man. She saw Jesus was spiritualized and saw him as God, someone who had an endless supply, who could meet her every need. So she sat and she listened to him. She listened and as she listened to his words of life, she was drawing from him. She was pulling words out of him. Listen, I understand how this works a little bit because as a pastor, when when I'm talking and I see you kind of, this kind of stuff all the time, it kind of pulls something back and I'm like, oh man, are they understanding what I'm saying? And I get a little anxious about when I'm preaching. But when you're sitting up on the edge of your seat and I'm preaching the word of God and you're going, amen, Richie. Come on, Richie, preach it. You start drawing something out of me, something that I've been studying and listening to all week It just starts coming out of me. So sit up on the edge of your seat and start drawing like Mary did because God's got some words of life for you today. God wants us to draw from him To see him as the source for everything in life. Not when you get to the end of yourself. Well, God, I can't do it. Now will you step in? He wants us to see him as the source for everything in our life. Listen, and the incredible thing about is, is that there is absolutely no lack with God. We have a tendency to have a scarcity mentality, to think that if we've taken something from God, he's probably tired of us asking. Listen, God is an unending reservoir of goodness. You can draw and you can draw and you can draw, and you will never get to the end of his goodness. He's a God of more than enough. Not only does he have more than enough, but he wants his children to operate in and have more than enough. See, when we see God as our source, ministry, serving, and giving are all out of the overflow of what God is giving and pouring into our lives. You see, what makes God, God, is that he actually receives ministry when we're drawing from him. When we are seeing him as the ultimate source and drawing from him. I know some of you are probably wondering because Again, we have been taught and scripted so different than that. I know some of you may be still wondering, Pastor Richie, is that really true? Are you sure you know what you're talking about here? I do. And let me show you today from our passage in John 4. One more story. It's Jesus encountering the woman at the well. Are you all familiar with the story? John chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, it says this. And read along with me. But he needed to go through... Samaria. Now, I love the fact that the Holy Spirit put that in there because if you actually track from where he was going, Judea, to to Galilee, he didn't actually have to go through Samaria. But he needed to go through Samaria. And I love the fact that Jesus was intentional about meeting this woman right where she's at. She hadn't qualified by being the biggest giver in the church. She hadn't qualified by being the volunteer of the month. God saw the need inside of this woman, so he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now I want you to notice that it says about Jesus being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. Now, how many of you understand that Jesus as God, before he was born as a baby in Bethlehem, was never tired? He he was never exhausted. He never got tired. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms 121, behold he, talking about God, that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And how many of you are glad that God never sleeps? In fact, while you're sleeping, he's working the night shift. He's watching over you and protecting you, even when you're unaware that he's watching over you and protecting you. But when Jesus was born as a baby in Jerusalem, he was already fully God, but he became fully man. It's called God incarnate, being fully God and fully man. And being fully man, he was tired. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. When you get tired, it's okay. God understands everything that you and I deal with. He understands our infirmities because he became fully man. So God was tired. So the Bible says, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. Verse 7, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So Jesus arrives at this well. It's about the sixth hour. It's about noontime. And the disciples have gone in town to buy lunch. And this woman comes out to draw water at noontime rather than in the morning when all of the other women did because she had a bad reputation. She had a a bad reputation with all the other ladies and she didn't want to see them gossiping about her. She didn't want to see those whispering eyes about who they thought that she was because she had had five husbands and the man that she was living with now wasn't even actually her husband. So Jesus asked her to give him something to drink. And so she begins to ask, why would you talk to me? Because Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Jesus begins to explain to her his ministry. He begins to help her understand why he has shown up at this particular time, why he needed to go through Samaria. And he says, I've come today to begin to give you living water, that whoever drinks of this living water would never thirst again. This is what you and I get to drink from, the living water, so that we never thirst again. So the woman's reply in verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have said well I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband, in that you have spoken truly. Now, notice what happens here. Jesus said that you have had Five husbands, and the sixth one that you're living with now, you're not even married to. It was the seventh man, the number of completion, that she encountered that put an end to all of her search. I'm telling you, that's good. When you discover Jesus, it puts an end to all of your search. That satisfied the thirst that she actually had. Because here's what Jesus had promised her earlier about his living water in verse 14. And this is the living water, by the way, that's made available to you and I today. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water. Listen, the water of Jesus inside of you becomes a fountain of water. It begins to bubble out of you, springing up into everlasting life. She didn't realize that there was a well, capital W, sitting on the well who was there to make all things well. Well. Do you know that she was one of those in the Bible that Jesus revealed himself to her, saying that he was the Messiah? He told her who, she, he, who he was, and, and he ministered to her. And as she, he ministered to her, she drew living water out of him. Watch the results. Verse 28, the woman then left her water pot. Listen, when you, ha- when you have a well, you don't need a water pot. She left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the man, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She was no longer ashamed. You recognize that. She was hiding earlier. Now suddenly she's beginning to understand what God thinks about her, how God loves her. So she goes in and said, Come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She forgot about herself. The key to all of our pain and discomfort and our problems is based on occupation with self. I got a problem in my life. Oh, man, I I know I've got this problem in my life because I said this and did this. and Man, when I was younger, I did this, and so now I'm reaping this. I got this problem in my life, and God, I, I know that this is happening to me because you're trying to punish me, trying to help me to be more humble. Occupation with self. The key to all of our freedom and deliverance to life and liberty is occupation with Christ. That everything that comes into our life that's a challenge or a difficulty, we raise our gaze above that and we begin to see the answer and it's found in Jesus Christ. Everything that you need in life for fulfillment, from freedom, from every area and arena that the enemy is entangling with you with is found in Jesus Christ. She forgot herself because she was occupied with something more wonderful, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's why she was able to say, come see a man who told me everything that I never did. She was no longer occupied with self. Can I tell you, this is why it makes it easy for us to give, why it makes it easy for us to serve, is because we become less and less occupied with self. If you're going to serve and you're going to give based upon what you can get back from it, I'm telling you, your occupation with self will never allow you to move into the giving and serving that God wants you to do. But when you learn to love and serve and give to your spouse, to your children, to this community of believers, to our community, it's because you are becoming less and less occupied with self and more and more occupied with Christ. And you're dialoguing with him, you're connecting with him, and his love is filling you and changing you into who he's designed and created you to be. It's amazing. It's amazing. So meanwhile, the disciples have brought lunch back. They went to Crazy Larry's and ordered the Frito pie and a large iced tea. Mm-mm. I could say that in the earlier service, but the 11 o'clock service, I got to think about that because they may be a little bit hungry. So the Lord is sitting right there at the well and now he looks different. Before they left, he was tired, but now he looks refreshed. He no longer looks tired. Verse 31 says that in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Yeah. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has someone, has anyone brought him anything to eat? They obviously noticed how content he looked, how refreshed he looked. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What makes the Lord satisfied? And remember, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What fulfills God's heart? What what really ministers to the Lord? Is it for us to minister to him and to give to him and to serve him? No. It's when we draw from him. It's, It's when we draw from him that we make him who he really is, God Almighty. God is not depleted when you draw from him. The more you draw, the more the supply is there. Listen, I said this last week, but I want to say it again. Good receivers, those who know how to draw from the Lord, are good givers and good servers. Because it's out of the overflow, the revelation of God's goodness and what he's doing in their lives. See, unfortunately, we have a tendency to think of the reservoir of our life, the overflow of our life, in comparison to someone else. And maybe somebody else's reservoir seems a little bit bigger right now, so we don't think we actually have a reservoir, when in reality, you have a reservoir. We're Americans. We have a reservoir. We are blessed as a nation, and we're blessed as a nation because this nation was founded on biblical principles. And because of that, we are reaping what our forefathers, over 200 years ago, set this nation based upon biblical principles. But you can't compare your reservoir. You've got to understand, God, this is where I'm at. My reservoir isn't as big as that person's yet, but God, thank you for this reservoir I have. Out of that, I want to learn how to give. God, I want to learn how to serve. God, I want to do what it is that you're calling me to do. People who know how to draw from God are good givers and good servers. See, what do we have to give to God that he didn't first give to us? Everything that we have, everything that we are, came from him. And every time that we get an opportunity, I want want you to hear that word today, opportunity to give to the kingdom of God like we're giving you in this capital campaign, it's an opportunity for you and I to seek God and ask him what it is we need to do. It's an opportunity for us to hear from God about what we should do. And it's an opportunity for us to take that next step of faith and commit to do what it is he's calling us to do. And it's an opportunity for you and I to learn to live our life by faith. Not by what we can just rationally figure out, but by faith and begin to draw from him. Listen, the amount that God gave Pam and I, it's stretching us. And we know that God's going to have to do some supernatural things, but we know that we know this is the number that he gave. I know some of you are still struggling with that. Keep praying, keep seeking, and God's going to show you what it is that you're to give. And when you step out in faith, you're going to live a life of faith. You're going to see over the next three years as we are going through this capital campaign, God do amazing things in your life. Your life's going to be a living testimony of of people coming into your life going, wow, how on earth did that happen? You're going to begin, begin to say, listen, I'm drawing from an inexhaustible source. I'm drawing from the creator of the universe who's bigger and more amazing than I ever imagined before or ever thought before. You are going to go to a whole nother level in your revelation of God. Listen, if you've ever wondered about the biblical precedent for giving to build the house of God, sometime when you have some time, take an opportunity to read 1 Chronicles 28 and 29. It's an amazing story as David is preparing the temple, and and David is one of the most extravagant givers of all time. And he's bringing his gift to the Lord, and here's what he says in 1 Chronicles 29. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Notice that he says both riches and honor come from you. In fact, if you take just the gold and silver that David alone gave to build the temple of God and you put it in today's economy, it was worth over 5 billion dollars. It was worth over $5 billion. Listen, don't tell me that God doesn't want to bless his children. David was blessed, and because he was blessed, he was blessed. And he was able to be a blessing in building the house of God. See, that's why our giving has to be out of a sense of fullness. It's out of the overflow of what we recognize that God is giving to you and I. That helps us understand why 2 Corinthians 9, Paul writes that God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. Somebody that every time it comes offering, they're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Here we go again. Thank you, God, that I get an opportunity to give. Because a cheerful giver is someone who recognizes what God has given to them, and it's out of the overflow of their life that they cheerfully give back. See, both tithing and giving should be out of a sense of fullness. You realize that there's a proper way for us to tithe, right? In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 26, there's a, the precedent of and the way that we are to tithe because too many people see tithing and giving for the wrong reasons. Some, some see it because you grew up being condemned and, and put down and, and now you see tithing as a duty. All right, God, I'm giving you this money. It's my money, but I'm giving it to you. No, no, it's his money. The tithe is just God's money. We're just bringing it back to the Lord. Others see, do it because they need something. They need a miracle in their life. But the right understanding is revealed right here in Deuteronomy chapter 26. And here's what it says. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you. It shall be when you come into the house, the vehicle, the motorcycle, the the. the um cabin in the mountains that god is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it that you shall take some of the first fruits of all the produce of the ground remember they were an agricultural society so mon- uh, produce was how they lived and how they bartered for a living which you shall bring from your land that the lord your god is giving you now we jump down to verse 10 and this is what we are to say to the high priest you go to the priest now real quick who is our high priest today Jesus, very good. It's not your pastor. We go to our high priest, Jesus, and here's what we say. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits. This is what we're doing today also along with our commitment cards. We're bringing that first fruits. It's also our tithe of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So you shall, now watch this very carefully, so you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house. Do you notice what the word of God says? Look at that. You shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house. We tithe, we give, and it should be out of a sense of fullness, out of the revelation and the realization that we are blessed. We're blessed today, and out of that fullness that I now have, I return back to God the tithe, which means a tenth, but I also give because of what God has given to me. That's what makes a cheerful giver a cheerful giver, because they realize that it's out of God's abundance that they have received in order to give. God loves a cheerful giver because a cheerful giver understands that he is drawing from God. And if God calls me to give something away, I know that he will not ever be outgiven. He's an inexhaustible source that has empowered me and enabled me to be able to give in the first place. Because again, good givers, people who are good at serving, are great receivers because they are continually drawing from God. I, I've watched this over and over I've watched I've watched people that that grew up kind of religious like I did and everything in church was about a sense of duty and man they served, but man sometimes honestly they were a little angry you ever run into somebody like that serving they give you coffee like here take it oh yeah okay thank you I certainly will they're really angry because it was out of this sense of duty and I've watched God begin to get a hold of their heart. And I've watched them begin to understand that God's not interested in our performance. What he's interested in is our heart. And when he has our heart, our performance begins to change. And I've watched them move from this grumpy person serving to suddenly, man, they're here early. They're serving willingly. They're leading areas of ministry. They're taking on responsibility because they're investing in the kingdom of God. They're investing in your life. We've got everything that you see that happens here on Sunday doesn't just accidentally happen. We didn't show up at 8 o'clock and go, okay, what do y'all want to do today? Well, Richie, why don't you preach? Pam, you want to do worship? Um, Can somebody kind of take care of the coffee? Okay, can we just kind of do a few things? It doesn't happen. They've worked hard. These people have worked hard and volunteered. And listen, I told them this on Friday night. We don't ever really see our leaders and those that serve as volunteers. Now, we do understand that they're volunteering. But we see them as world changers. We see as a church in us providing an opportunity for them to do the thing that God is writing upon their heart, and that's to serve one another. So good, good givers, good servers are great receivers. So Pastor Richie, what does all this have to do with our capital campaign? Well, Let me say first of all, I hope you're beginning to see God as a God of more than enough. And $750,000 for some of you kind of blows you away, others you, you've already walk through some things that you're going really seriously is that all we're raising but you see god as a god of more than enough and seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars is absolutely nothing for god can i tell you that god could put it in somebody's heart they could come on monday morning or you might be here this morning they could write a check for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars say you know what pastor richie we're just going to take care of this and if they did that that would be awesome That would be great. Can I tell you what we would do, though? We would rejoice for a while, thank God, and then we'd begin saying, you know what? I guess God's expediting the process, what we're going to do. So let's sit back and figure out what are we going to do next? Take a few months off, recalibrate, and begin again. But let me tell you what this capital campaign is. It's an opportunity. God is setting before you and I an opportunity. An opportunity to grow in our understanding of his goodness. As we learn how to draw from God, we're going to learn how to draw from God at a whole nother level. It's an opportunity for you to grow to another level in your faith. Where God can trust you with more. As you're stepping out, God, I I don't really understand how I'm going to do this, but wow. I tell you, when I look at my life and I track my life, there were times when I stepped out that I look back at it now, but it was a step of faith then, and I look at it now going, man, that seems so small. But it's because I've grown in levels of faith. It's an opportunity to lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. Listen, you can't take any of your money with you, but you sure can send it on ahead. It's an opportunity to show God that our heart is really his and not about material things of this world. It's an opportunity to be a part of making an impact in the lives of people who are a part of this church. See, it's not about land. It's not about parking lots. It's not about fixing the roof. It's not about video equipment. It's not about all these things. It's not about bricks and mortar. It's about lives that Jesus is changing because you and I are providing an opportunity, creating the atmosphere and an environment where they can lovingly come, sit in a nice, comfortable chair, Amen. Sit in a a place where the air conditioning or the heater is on, depending on which one we're needing at the time. That they can come and somebody can take care of their kids, that they can get a cup of coffee and bring it into the sanctuary and not get struck down by God. We're creating this environment because we're interested in people's lives being changed. And it's been amazing. I know some of you, you kind of come in on Sunday, many of you serve and you kind of do your thing and you go away and you don't really understand a lot of times the lives that are being changed. You don't understand what's happening. And so we captured a couple testimonies from a, a couple of couples in our church about what God's doing in their life. And I want to show you these and then step right back up and we'll kind of wind down our service this morning.
1: About six months, we went to a couple of other churches and just wasn't sitting right. One Sunday morning, she woke up kind of sick. And so I just thought I'd go visit Amarillo Fellowship by myself and and I walked through the doors and I heard the angels singing hallelujah. Service hadn't even started yet and I knew this was home. It was amazing. Went through the service and uh, right after we were done I texted my wife I found our home. The church is growing but I feel just as connected with everyone in that church and growing up you feel the I have to go to church and then I need to go to church but for Amarillo Fellowship, but I can't wait to get to church. What I've seen that church do for my children is unbelievable. To see my son playing up on the on the uh, stage is is pretty awesome. To see my my 17-year-old uh, Chloe just raising her hands and raising her hands in worship. Yeah, that's good.
0: We started attending Amarillo Fellowship about four and a half years ago and it was the perfect time in our lives to kind of pick up the pieces. I mean, Emerald Fellowship is so... The, the people are so loving.
1: My little brother kept calling and hounding, guys, come check out my church, come check out my church. And we're like, man, we go to church. We weren't, we were going to Our Lady Saint Mattress. We weren't waking up for nothing. Um, we just try to get them off our back. So one day Mary decided, hey, let's humor your brother and, and go check it out. I mean, from the time we pulled up, the parking attendants, Kevin, Chris Dumas, those guys, I mean, welcomed us. They didn't even know who we were and they already felt like I was at home. It was, it was pretty awesome. And then when we walked in, Donnie and and those guys, the ushers, you know, the way they welcomed us, it was it was pretty amazing. Talking to Pam and Richie, it's, these guys are, are humbling, and they're just people. And that's what I love about them. I can talk to Richie, and I can talk to Pam, just like I talk to Mary, or I can talk to my best friend. They're, they're great people. And that's what I try. When I invite people, I let them know our pastors are amazing, and they care about They'll care about you. These people will talk to you and they will love on you. I just really want anyone and everyone to experience
0: the true love that everyone has to give. Um, And really, God's amazing love. And it's a genuine, when you walk in those two doors, it's a genuine
1: love that you feel. And I just think everybody has got to experience that. (laughs)
0: simply about the love of God, simply about the goodness of God. That's why we gather together. I want to remind you of our verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So this morning, I, I'm asking you to give sacrificially. And, and what I mean by sacrificially is giving up something that you love or something that you love more, Jesus. So today, I'm going to invite you to make this commitment with me. And as I've been saying throughout this thing, we're we're looking for 100% participation for everyone to do their part. You may say, Pastor Richie, my part's not that big, or I feel responsible to make it all happen. Listen, it's not about your part being big or small. It's just about doing the part that God has put in our hearts and lives to do. I'm going to invite the worship team, if they would, go ahead and kind of make your way up there. If you you have that connection card, babe, would you come on up here also? We're going to take just a moment to fill out the connection card, and I'm going to kind of walk you through that. So if you'll pull that out, if you've stuck it in your purse or put it under your seat, if you'll go ahead and fill it it out again. Our our leaders are going to be leading in this today, but we're going to look for you to participate also. Uh, Our commitment card, sorry. I keep saying connection card. Fill out, pull out your commitment card with us today. I'm going to ask you just to fill it out Completely. So would you just start doing that right now? Some of you have already done that and that's okay. I mean, that's great that you've done that, but would you just go ahead and start writing out your information? i want to ask you today not to assume that we have your information. Um, if you don't mind filling it out real uh, completely today. Um, in the bottom right hand corner, if you have just have a, a set amount that you're going to be giving over the next three years, and I want to remind you this capital campaign is over the next three years, you can write that down kind of in that bottom right hand corner. And just write that total in there. You can say, this is what I'm believing. And I want to remind you that this is over the next three years. We're not looking for you to give it today. We're going to be receiving a first fruits offering along with our commitment cards in just a moment. But it's what we're doing over the next three years as we kind of step out in faith and believe God to do some great and mighty things. This is above your tithing offerings. Okay. So I want to encourage you in that too. Don't take your tithing offering and begin doing this because that ends up defeating the purpose of what it is we're trying to do. But above our tithes and offering, we're saying, God, over the next three years, here's what I'm going to give. Here's what I'm committed to do. And I want to encourage you again to to see God as a God of more than enough. If there's a number that he's dropped into your heart that scares you a little bit, get with your spouse, get with a friend, say, there's what I'm believing God for. Here's what I'm praying for. Would you be praying with me? That's the number that keeps coming back up because the number scared me also. That's the number God has for you. And I'm telling you, God is going to do something amazing in your life as you operate in faith at a whole nother level. You know, one of the things that you'll recognize is that you can give non-cash options in giving. You can give away real estate, uh, boats, cars, jewelry, whatever it is that God would lay on your heart to do. I want you to know today, we're asking you to hear from God what he's asking you to do. We're not in any way trying to manipulate you and say, this is what you've got to do. We want you to hear from God because, again, when we start hearing from God... We start operating at that whole other level. So I just want to say thank you in advance. Thank you in advance for being a part of this capital campaign. As you prepare the way for people that are going to come behind us, thank you for doing that. Thank you investing in people's lives.
1: This has been a presentation of Amarola Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more
0: information and other podcasts, Visit it emerald? That